Welcome back to the Kick the Pick podcast. As you can see, we've got the full crew assembled. Last week, Nick ditched us, but that did not deter us from having another winning week. Back-to-back winning weeks. 7-3 and three last week, 15-5 and five over the last two weeks. The pod is back to its winning ways after a little rough stretch around the holidays. So, Nick, I'll start with you. I know we were so close to 8-2 and two today, and your favorite team to rag on in the Premier League let us down. Yeah, they did and they didn't. Listen, I, I would um it was one of those games I know I wasn't on and you guys joked like you you couldn't understand the rationale behind making this bet. It was one of those bets where like it it, it so didn't make sense that it made sense, right? Like we we often talk about outsmarting ourselves and the books trying to outsmart us. Like this was that bet. And yeah. if anybody watched it, I mean now now you got me on a fucking roll here and I'm gonna have to just read the stats as I have them. Uh, the bet was both teams to score. The end result was 0-0. We had expected goals of 1.7 and 1.4. We had 39 total shots. We had six big chances missed. We had 19 corners. I mean, it was literally everything but a goal. Um, so that one hurt. I was that really hoping to get... Oh, he is fucking awful. As we know, <laughs> we've known that on the pod. We we share the meme back and forth pretty much weekly. He's not going to give you goals, but he's going to give you hard work. Hard work. But we were we were hoping to get fucking eight wins back to back, but it's okay because squad's back together. So that's most important. We're feeling good. We're we're going to have a good show, and the wins are coming. So now's the time. Hop on. Scotty, you know who he sounds like, right? Trying to justify his losses with XG and all this. He sounds like you. <laughs> yeah, he sounds like me. I think I'm rubbing off. And forget about XG. Like I mean, me. it just the stat was there, but it, it, like if you watch the game or the highlights, uh, if, if this game is played another 10 times, uh, I mean, both teams are scoring goals. There's no doubt about it. it did you have a stat for hard work? I didn't know if that was something, a metric that we were tracking. XG, there. yeah, X, XH. Just XG. Expected hard work. Yeah, Expected hard work. <laughs> so, so what you're telling me is it's one of those matches that you can feel good about the bet you made because Absolutely. The, the, the flow of the match went the way you expected. It was just not the end result. Actually, those kind of matches are frustrating. I was going to say, I, I feel good about the read. I feel worse about the bet. I feel like I would rather be 100% wrong. I wish... Fulham came out and won five nothing, and Everton had zero shots. Like I'd rather be dead wrong than be correct and not hit the bet. Yeah, yeah, those are tough to take, but solid week overall. Uh, nice bounce back, Scotty. How you feeling this week as we head into a, a big one for your boys? But I will get into it in a minute. Yeah, it's a big week. Started on a little bit of a down note for Liverpool fans. You know, there's been plenty of content I put out there. So um, if you're watching this and you haven't seen any of that, it's on YouTube and over at HappyHourSports.net. But yeah, Klopp on his way out the door after the season. So a little bit more pressure, I think, on getting some uh, some final trophies for Klopp uh, for the season's end. puts a little bit more of an emphasis on winning a lot of these remaining games. And yeah, as you mentioned, Coach, big week with Chelsea um, coming up tomorrow. We're recording Tuesday night, so have yet to see that fixture. And then Arsenal um, you know, at the Emirates, uh, which will go a long way, I think, in, in determining you know who's in the driver's seat for the title race down the last two and a half months here. Man, if you guys yeah, for sure. like a coach, well, you're obviously feeling good because your new manager now has two wins out of two games. If you would have told me that like Saudi was the most stable manager, the, the, the Lazio had the the managerial outlast. situation <laughs> locked up out of our three clubs. Don't know that I would have believed you last year. Don't know that I would have believed you through probably November of this year. Um, Pretty fucking crazy when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly crazy. I mean, 
you know, we, we talked about when when the Mourinho firing happened. It was kind of strange time because Roma had these three very winnable fixtures in a row. Um, this past, this upcoming week is Cali. They just beat, um, who they beat? Verona was last week, Salernitana yesterday. So three very winnable ones. You figure, oh, maybe Mourinho could get it right. But I guess the, you know, the, the situation management felt was was kind of too far gone with him and, and the situation. And they made the change at a time when De Rossi could come in and, and yeah. gain some tread, right? And now he's got a full week coming up, um, you know, in between yesterday's match and next Monday's match against Caddy, where he's got a full week of training, which he didn't have last week because they had that that friendly in Saudi Arabia because of their sponsorship deal or whatever it was. Now he can work a little bit, give him one more match before Inter and the, the Europa League. So it, it does get Roma feeling a little bit better. It gets them within striking distance of the top four. I know the table's a little wonky right now because of uh, the way the Supercopa affected postponements and stuff. But uh, it definitely feels good to see Roma trying to play more offensive football scoring a couple goals there are definitely things to work on but i am feeling better uh yeah your manager is the most stable but not be not really because the, the, the club is most stable it's just because Klopp is is deciding to right. uh you know hang it up in, in terms of that that liverpool cap that he's been wearing for what would you say what scotty it's like eight years now eight, or seven yeah, years it's, it's yeah eight seasons yeah. Yep. so I, I definitely want to get into just i know we're going to talk about liverpool i do have some questions for scotty coach i, I want to start with you first, number one, did they keep the dude, the Mourinho's assistant, the one that coached like the 19 games where Mourinho had red cards? Bote? I, I, uh, no, I think the whole staff was, uh, is turned over under De Rossi. Too, okay. I like, I wasn't sure if like he was kind of still there. So maybe he helped at Aussie through, you know, he's, you, you, obviously he's yeah. coached. No, I, I'm pretty sure they turned the whole staff over. I know there was a couple. Uh, names I saw that were definitely new. I don't think they kept Salvatore Fote, though. I will double check, okay. but um, I'm pretty sure the it, whole staff was out with Mourinho. And then just a general question. I mean, something that could only happen in Serie A. You had the Super Cup in Saudi Arabia. Four teams went out there over the course of you know a week, let's say. As that wrapped up, Roma goes out there the following week to play a fucking friendly. Like, Wouldn't they send them yeah. out there at the same time, uh, the four fucking teams that are going there? Like, make that make sense to me. Uh, I, I guess it it was just a separate thing from the Supercopa because they weren't, you know, involved in the Supercopa. I guess that's another match to postpone. I, I don't know. Uh, I, hey, I'm sure Roma probably organized this after the fact because the, the Riyadh season sponsorship that they have uh, came about probably a couple months into the season. Um, but, you know, a lot, like, like, like I talked about last week, I don't know why you don't schedule the teams that are going to the Supercopa against each other on this match week to then postpone those to later in the season. So you don't have to postpone uh, four matches for eight teams. It was just, you know, two matches for four teams. Uh, you know, make it make sense. That, that, that's Italy, right? I guess. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll jump right into the Liverpool-Arsenal match. Uh, since Italy doesn't make sense, we'll go to England. Maybe it makes a little more sense over there, Scotty. Uh, big match, like you mentioned, uh, Liverpool-Arsenal. Arsenal played today. This is Tuesday. Liverpool plays tomorrow against Chelsea. So right now the table looks, um, you know, Liverpool 48 points, 21 played. Uh, Arsenal 46 points, 22 played. City is uh, two matches in hand on Arsenal with 43 points. They also play tomorrow. Um, and then Villa, who played today, also on 43 points. So it's, it's becoming a... Tighter race at the top. Uh, Liverpool still has the edge. Uh, this match head-to-head could really go a long way for Liverpool, you think, at least in putting distance between themselves and Arsenal. I know that City has a match in hand on them, so technically that could be a two-point gap if City you know, wins that extra match in hand. But Liverpool is in, uh, is in control in terms of you know where they stand now. So looking at the lines in this one, 
we've got this match at Arsenal. So it's at the Emirates. It is Arsenal plus 105 in the money line. Liverpool plus 235. Draw line plus 275. Draw no bet. There's value there on Liverpool at plus 145. Liverpool getting half a goal uh, at minus 140. The over under looking at three goals here. Plus 105 for the over. Minus 150 for the under. So books really gearing toward that over line in terms of goal scored. Probably got to go at least that over three, like you said. What are you seeing here, Scott? I mean, how do you feel heading into this one, going into the Emirates, knowing that uh, Arsenal's coming off a 2-1 win? We don't know what Liverpool's going to do tomorrow against Chelsea. I mean, if we were betting people, which I guess we are, we would say that Liverpool would win that match. But there's no guarantees in in football from week-to-week basis. How are you feeling even with that match still to come against Chelsea? Um, a little concerned. I mean, you just read off the odds. Arsenal pretty heavy favorites, which is kind of eyebrow raising. I would have figured it had been more of a coin toss. Um, and then I was coming in prepared to debate why it should be more of an Arsenal favorite. So the fact that the books are onto it kind of gives me actual concern because now, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I start to believe my own, you know, spiel. Um, but I think it's valid, right? Uh, Liverpool are getting healthier. They've been kind of going through their own little mini injury crisis. I don't want to, you know, call it a real big one because clubs like Newcastle and Chelsea and Tottenham have certainly had it worse. But, um, you know, they're, Liverpool are starting to come through the other side. You know, Alexander-Arnold played 30 minutes on the weekend, so he should be back. Robertson back after about two months. Salah obviously still going to be out. Hurt his hamstring in AFCON, so won't have him, which hurts. But the same side, you know, Soboslai, who's been out for about a month, month and a half, he looks like he's ready to return. So they're they're on the right trajectory in terms of getting healthy. I think that's the positive sign. Um, but the fact that books right now are still viewing Arsenal at home as, you know, a pretty, you know, strong favorite, all things considered, kind of leads me to believe that they're seeing the same thing that I am with, you know, their their offense certainly looks like it's back and clicking again. That was a big issue that they had in December. Um, the forwards weren't scoring, but um, they've just put up uh, five goals against Forest, um, and then or no, sorry, two goals against Forest, and then five goals against Palace um, in the last two games. So certainly feels like they've kind of figured that out. We know their defense has been strong. You know their midfield with with Rice has always been um, you know much improved. So I, I do think Liverpool are going to struggle. Um, you know in the reverse fixture at Anfield, Liverpool got a, had a one one draw. So um, it, it would be nice to kind of get a similar result I think in this one I think it still puts them in you know the driver's seat moving forward because they do play City at Anfield so City would need to come in and and beat Liverpool in order to you know have a a points advantage in you know the rest of the way Um, but uh, you know I don't I don't know really what to expect I could see this being a high scoring game like a 4-3 that we're used to kind of seeing over the years against uh, or between Liverpool and Arsenal but I could also see this being more of like a KG 1-1 1-1 affair that we saw in the the opening fixture or the the reverse fixture the um in December. So um you know I'm I'm not sure which which way to go now. Uh, the, the books kind of threw me a curveball on that one. Was the Arsenal game the first time was that the Diaz offside goal that wasn't really offside or is that That's is that Tottenham a fixture. Th- yeah, that was with other London club. Yep. Okay. No, the the reverse one was uh I think um Gabriel uh, had a headed goal in in the first five minutes and then Salah came back in like the 20th minute. So it was one, one at halftime and then just nothing happened in the second. Just never half. came. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so one interesting thing, I mean, the result will be 
over by the time anybody listens to this, but I, I saw it today. Um, you know, look, Pool are big favorites. They're at home against Chelsea. It's been seven straight draws in that head to head. That's fucking wild. Um, so two of those of, were were cup finals too. I went to PKs. Yes. Um, so super interested to see what happens there. But I don't. I, I think everything you said, Scotty, to me points in Liverpool's favor in this game. Um, number one, you know, you guys know my thoughts on this for anybody that's newer to the show. I think that in rivalry games, in toss-up games, I always tend to lean towards the underdog. I think one bounce, one kick, one referee decision, you know, anything could happen, but you know, there's, there's no real true favorite. So if you can get a team, on the spread, if you can get a team on a pick'em line that's you know favorable number, I tend to go there. Uh, we have to remember Liverpool still to this point have only lost one game in the league. I think that's not talked about enough. I think Pool have scored two or more goals in something like six out of their last seven matchups or something like that. Maybe four out of their last five in the league. So starting to find the form really more consistently after. I was going to say a rocky-ish start, but here they are in first place in the league, so that's not even really true. And, you know, you you gave your thoughts on Klopp. I think just to, to quiz a little bit or to get a, a roundtable here, I'm kind of of the opinion that the team is really going to rally around this. And, you know, what what are the two things they have in front of them? Yeah, okay, Put it, putting the whatever cups they're still in domestically aside. There's the Europa League, which is, you know, it's winnable. but Man, how fucking great would it be for this team to win the Premier League? I think really that's the way they want to send him off. That's, you know, with so many unknowns in front of them, that's an attainable, achievable goal. And I think, you know, no better way to to make your statement and rally around that than these next two fixtures for Liverpool. So, yeah, I like them in this matchup. I I would say just sorry, Scotty, before you go, um, looking at some numbers here. Something I'm going to be really interested in is a Liverpool team total over one and a half is plus 145. I think that's a pretty damn good place to go. I think you lost on that the last time they played Arsenal. Am Very I crazy? possible. Very I feel possible. Like that's what happened because I remember you had them over one and a half, and it was a high number like that. And then when Salah scored Might have been that in the goal twos. in like the 20th minute, you were very happy. Yeah, maybe it was twos. Um, but yeah, no, 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 I'm saying actually, it might have been like plus 200 or something like that, yeah. like in the in the yeah. twos. Yeah. Um, to touch on upon your point, like you're right, Nick, that they, they do have, they're still very well in the race for four trophies, right? They're in the final for the EFL cup, Carabao cup. Um, they have a pretty fortuitous draw in the next round for the FA cup. They're playing, I think either Watford or Southampton. Um, so they certainly have those in play, obviously sitting in first place in the premier league and, and probably one of the top three favorites in, in Europa. I wrote it in my piece for, happyhoursports.net it's actually a weird like level of of um you know poetry to what liverpool could kind of send klopp off with um klopp's first season when he took over mid-season for brendan Rodgers, he took liverpool to the europa final by way of Borussia dortmund and that first real european comeback where um, Lovren scored a game-winning goal and then like the 96, 92nd minute to, to send them to the semifinals. And then, of course, Liverpool ended up losing to Europa League stalwarts Sevilla in the final. But well, that was kind of the, the real cementing of 
you know, belief in Klopp. I think that was really what a lot of the following seasons were built off of. It was that success in the, in the Europa Cup or Europa League. Um, and then the Premier League, you know, when Klopp came into to Liverpool, Liverpool FC had just started their um, rebuilding of Anfield. They were in phase one um, of what it would eventually be three phases plus um, a new training ground. So at the time, was, Anfield was a capacity of 42,000. And when they won the Premier League under Klopp in 2020, obviously it was a, a COVID year. Um, you know, they lifted the trophy in an empty stadium. You know, the fans are still outside, but it was kind of, you know, a weird vibe. And I think it would be very, like, symbolic for Klopp to win the trophy in front of the stands that have just completed in phase three in the last two months, bringing Anfield to 61,000. I think that would be like a very um, perfect send off to kind of encapsulate what Klopp has done because he's achieved all of this, you know, success. And, and obviously there's a lot that was left on the table and with Manchester city and, and a lot of the, the finals that they didn't win, but, you know, doing what he did under the same constraints that, people criticized Arsene Wenger and, and, and Pochettino for where, you know, they didn't always have the most budget. And there were plenty of transfer windows where Liverpool won the Champions League and then went out and spent under, you know, 30 million pounds in the transfer market because they're building one of their, their new stands. Um, so I think that would be kind of like the perfect send off for Klopp. If, if you can win the Europa, come full circle in that part of the, you know, competition and then send them off with a, a 61,000 fan salute when in a trophy lift would be just perfect yeah now it's a stretch yeah so looking at this one how much do you think that fa cup match from uh january affects one that was a that was a two nothing liverpool win scott do you think uh that one plays into the hands of pool here we're we gonna see a similar lineup to that one i know you know salah was away for that one um, um i don't think those was was available like that one i'm not it's a little different because that arsenal team that was like right in the middle of their struggles right like they that was where they were really struggling to score um a lot of people were criticizing Saka and and how he hadn't quite stepped up um i think liverpool actually had uh one of their goals they scored was actually an own goal so it it wasn't exactly like liverpool were you know burying them um but yeah it it definitely was a, a bit of a you know, secondary lineup for Liverpool. Um, they brought in a lot of the kids in the second half. Bobby Clark and Connor Bradley, I think, came in, you know, halfway through. Actually, they came in before either of the goals were scored because um, there was a lot of concern over there needing to be a, a an FA Cup replay and and people criticized Klopp for bringing on the kids to kind of throw the match so that way they didn't have to have play an extra match. Um, so I, I don't think we can read too much into that one. I don't think, you know, the, the team that was on the field is going to be uh, indicative of, what we'll see on on Sunday, but you know, again, I think that the one one draw, you know, the month earlier, I think that's really both both lineups will probably be pretty similar. I think Liverpool had Endo starting in that game, and they'll probably see Alexis McAllister starting in that spot this this round. But um, you know, no Salah, but in comes Jota, who's historically played really well against Arsenal. So Nick, maybe He's hot right wanna, now too, actually, right? I was gonna say, don't actually. I changed my mind. Nick, do not put. <laughs> money on on Jota anytime goal scorer because I, I Never. forgot you have the ultimate mush on him but I think he's he is a good look for potential uh goal opportunity if if your name is not Nick and, and you're yeah, looking for fact. for a play there listen I, I... yeah and the other thing interesting to me too just just to follow the lines here is the the FA Cup was a two nothing match the other match you mentioned Scotty early in the season was a one one draw and they've really got it you have to go over three here with the total to find something playable like 
is under two and a half worth a shot? Are they are they targeting the fact that these are two of the best offenses in the league rather than the two best defenses in the league in terms of goals conceded? Because that's where this one's a little tricky for me too because you got two head-to-heads that were under three goals and then you have two of the best offenses in the league. Like, is this the match they break out? Like you said, are the books looking at this as like a high-scoring match? Because if it gets to be kind of a high-scoring match, do you think that favors Arsenal at home or do you think that plays more into Poole's hands? If it's a high-scoring match, I think it favors Arsenal. Um, just because Liverpool don't have Salah. Yes, they have plenty of other options in Nunez and and, and Diaz and, and obviously Jota. But, you know, with how consistent Nunez has been, and, you know, to me, I think Diaz has been on a little bit of a, a lull uh, in recent months since since his whole issue with his, his dad and the kidnapping, you know, two, two and a half months ago. I, I don't know that those guys are going to be stepping up and putting three or four goals against Arsenal. So if this becomes, you know, a game where, you know, you need three or four to win, then I think you can pretty much bet that Arsenal will be coming away with at least a point. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think where Liverpool are, they know that their defense will be sound. Um, Van Dijk has been great this season. Kanate has looked fantastic. Even the, the, you know, the deputies in, in Kwanzaa and Gomez have, have played really well. Um, I think if if Liverpool come in and say, you know, we're going to try to control possession and, you know, do a little bit more in the buildup and then let Arnold and, and Robertson fire in crosses, then that's kind of where Liverpool might find their success. But, you know, if, if Arsenal come out and score first, like Liverpool are so often, you know, allow their opponents to do and um, that forces Liverpool to be a little bit more aggressive, then I could certainly see this being something where, you know, Arsenal runs away with it. Uh, listen, I, you heard my thoughts. I'm, I'm riding pool on this one. Uh, you know, I like the team total. I like pool plus half a goal, quite honestly, minus 140. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's kind of right there on the edge. Um, I, I think they get it done. I mean, obviously, reserve the right to change that opinion, depending on what happens against Chelsea. But um, this, this seems like exactly the time you'd want to have these fixtures, I, I think. And I think Klopp, Maybe he didn't do that by accident either, right? I, I think, um, you know, one of the smartest, most calculated dudes there is in world football. So he knows what he's doing. He knows the response he's going to be able to get out of his team. And, um, you know, again, Scotty put his thoughts together, I thought, really, really well written verbally. Um, but we got to just take a quick second and give this guy credit, give Liverpool credit, because not a lot of teams – allow that consistency, allow their manager that much rope, um, you know, to, to, to have him around for eight years. And it's his decision to leave. It's not the club's decision. So um, we haven't really seen it since, you know, Ferguson at United. We've seen it a little bit with Pep right now. Those are about the only, like, these are the two guys. Nobody else sticks around any club. So yeah. credit to Poole. I think, they, you know, they've gotten more than what they ever could have expected out of this. And, there still could be more to come. Yeah. I mean, even Arteta, who's been, looks like he'll be the guy at Arsenal for the long term. He was very close. He was at the end of his rope for a little bit with a lot of fans kind of they tired him of out. his style of play. Oh, yeah. Um, so it just kind of goes to show, like, you know, how how quickly you need to show success in this league now if, if you want to stick around. Um, you don't have time to, to build up and build a vision. Um, I'll give you my last closing thought which will be, again, a, a pro-Arsenal stat at home this season. They are 12-2-2. Two two. Um, one of those losses obviously being the the aforementioned 2-0 loss to Liverpool in the FA Cup. So 
they've been pretty good at home. Um, I think Emirates will be rocking for this one because they yeah. know that a win here will pull them right back into the title chase. So, and, and we don't have the lines yet. It's too early because I mean, the pool still has a game to play. This could be like the ultimate corners game just for what it's worth. These are like team 1A and 1B in corners this year, especially Arsenal at home. You know what that means? Keep keep an eye out to at Nick Diani on Twitter for uh, for the, the the corner play that'll be coming it's inevitably. Coming. Oh, it's coming! <laughs> uh, any closing thoughts on this one before we move to the big one in uh, Serie A, guys? No, man, I think we did it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's probably the match of the weekend across all leagues. Um, so, well, maybe the uh, Madrid derby um, that might be the other the other one to consider. But I think it'll be a good one either way, whether it's a, a four three game or or a one one. I think it's going to be really intense. Yeah, you mentioned the Madrid Madrid derby. You got Liverpool Arsenal, and then you moved to Italy, and we got another great one, uh, another big one in terms of table implications. It's uh, Juve at Inter. This is a, a tight one at the top of Serie A right now. Let me just pull up the table real quick for you guys. Uh, but it is going to be a big one here. Sorry, dude. Oh, it's all good. Pull that up there. Yep, it is. Inter on twenty one matches played fifty four points. Juve twenty two matches played fifty three points. Uh, Neck and neck for the, the Scudetto right now. Milan is, is seven off the pace of, of Juve. So it's really turned into a two-team race. Um, you know, Inter does have that match in hand. It was it was a big dr- two-drop points for Juve this past weekend against Empoli at home. Um, that was, uh, you know, a, a 10-man Juve. They dropped points. Inter got a big 2-0. Uh, did they get that second goal, Nick? Or did they hold on 1-0 one one nothing. against Fiorentina? 1-0, one nothing, right? They didn't get a second goal. Um but both these teams just one loss in the season in the league, right? Inter 17 wins, three draws, one loss. Uh, Juve 16 wins, five draws, one loss. They've been the class of the league. Big reason why is both defenses are very strong. Inter's only conceded 10 in 21 matches. Juve's only conceded 13. They're the two best defenses in the league. Um, Attacking-wise, though, Inter is the the club. They are the you know the benchmark for the league. 50 goals scored in 21 matches, by far the most next best attack is Milan's 43 scored in 22 matches played, um, you know, but do not have anywhere near the defense to match Inter, which is why they're they're so far off the pace at this point. So looking at that, considering the the, the way these teams set up and the way they play, uh, Juve on the road is a plus 320 money line. Um, you know, the draw line two, plus 235. Inter minus 125 at home. The over-under, get this, is set at two and a half. The over is plus 125. The under is at minus 160. So those defense is getting a lot of respect, um, and for good reason. Uh, and just to throw out the draw-no-bet numbers here, we have draw-no-bet uh, for Juve is plus 220. Um, and getting, you can get them at half a goal at minus 105, getting half a goal. So, um, you know, the value obviously is on Juve, um, but Inter at home, what what do you make of this, Nick? I mean, I mean, Inter is is tough to beat, and it's, and you know, does Juve score enough to get it done? It's a really really tough match to handicap. Quite honestly, uh, one thing you you didn't mention is uh, which I I kind of thought you were going to coach one one reverse fixture. Yeah, um, I was just going to double check that. So uh, that was a uh, I believe an early Juve goal, and Lotaro equalized like five minutes later, and then it was a whole lot of nothing after that. But um. Man, it's one of those things that we just praised Klopp. Um, I, I have to now praise these two managers who we've said all season, you know, number one and number two in Italy. And it's it's really tough. I mean, Inter is 
on they're both on a very similar run of form. Inter does have that Super Cup win sandwiched in between. So, you know, two matches they're not necessarily going to get credit for, but, um, you know, destroyed Lazio, really took care of, of Napoli in the other game. Juve kind of had a little bit of an easier schedule coming into this one. I, I joked about it on Twitter. Everybody's like, oh, Vlahovic is back. Juve's looking really good. Yes, true. But they played Roma, Sassuolo. Salernitana twice, Frosinone twice, um, Lecce or somebody, like one other bad team sandwiched in there. So credit to where, where it's due. They took care of the teams they needed to, but Inter is the much more tested team. I think that can't be disputed at this point in time. And one thing we really got right on this podcast when we previewed Serie A this year Lautaro Martinez is hit another level. I, I think he was like the odds on favorite to win leading scorer. He was like minus 150. Um, you know, obviously we didn't, nobody bet that. I don't know if anybody listening bet that if you did good for you. Um, but I, I think we all kind of agreed that he is going to hit another level this year and he has done just that. So he really is the difference maker. Duram has been one of the signings of the season. He's cooled off a little bit the last couple of games. Um, Somers looked really good in, in the back, but it, you know, it's tough to bet against Inter, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think minus 125 is a fair number for them. I didn't think Juve would have such a big price next to them. Could they win? Could they get some sort of result out of this game? Absolutely. I, I wouldn't count it out, but it, it's really tough to bet against Inter, uh, you know, where they are at this stage of the season, the form they're on gun to my head. I would go Inter, but. Really tough game to call. Does this match decide the Scudetto if Inter wins? No chance. Not in Serie A. We talk about this. Every, every, I mean, look at Juve. They just drew Empoli last week, right? So, yep. no chance. There's there's going to be 10 more turns in, in the Scudetto chase before this one's over. I, I, I agree with Scott. I, I have to agree with Scott. I, I don't even feel like Inter winning this game put yeah, they don't it doesn't put enough space in between them. I mean it's I don't know. It goes to four points with a game in hand, could be set. I mean, if they win that game in hand, you know, they're they're on their way, no doubt, but yeah, too much could happen. They, they you know, they also have aspirations of winning the Champions League. And and if Latoro, you know, twists an ankle and, and misses a couple weeks, yeah. you know, like it, it right. anything can really happen. Um, for, for me, like if I'm capping this game, you know, my, I'm just going to do my like stream of conscious thought and logic here. Um, yes, Inter super high scoring historically, or at least historically this season, you can rely on them for multiple goals yet last two matches. They've won one, nothing, um, kind of maybe showing down, slowing down a little bit, or maybe playing a little more conservative to try to, um, maintain a little bit of extra energy for the second half of the season. Juve going to be without Milik, uh, picked up a red card in that match against Empoli probably Wea comes in and replaces him. I don't know if that's the the like for like swap there, but um you know he's been playing more of like a wing back. Yeah, he's been playing more wing back. So who who do we have for for you know pairing up top with with Vlahovic? Or do we probably Yildiz, that, that young Turkish kid, I think is probably the natural guy because Keen is still hurt. Kiesa is I think healthy. I don't know if he's gonna get starters minutes in this one. It's probably Yildiz. Um I guess. So I, I think, you know, I, I think uh, Juve's yeah. approach knowing this maybe be a little bit more conservative than even their traditional conservative approach, um, especially being on the road 
I really feel like this one in my heart of hearts is a is a draw, believe it or not. I think yep. if I'm taking anything across the money line here, I'm going to take the draw line um, at plus 235 because, you know, books have it right. The, the, the under two and a half at minus 160 is, is certainly, um, you know, well in play. And, you know, gun to my head, do I see this being a 0-0 or a 1-1 over like a 2-0? For sure. Um, so that's that's where I would go. If I'm putting money down on this one, I really love the draw here. I think it suits both sides, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think Inter would be happy because they would kind of maintain the lead even with the with the game in hand. And Juve, it keeps them well within striking range with, you know, 15, 16 matches left to go. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I don't think it decides a Scudetto, but I do think it gives Inter a big upper hand considering they do have the match in hand. And if that's one that they can win, then, then they really could be in good shape even you know, with European matches to play. That is one advantage Juve does have moving forward is they don't have those European matches. So if they can get a result out of this, a draw, uh, even just to keep it within four with that, you know, considering, say, Inter wins that match in hand, um, I think that puts them in a good position because they are going to need, um, you know, to to spend energy in the Champions, especially if they can make a deep run like they did last season. And, you know, after making the final last year, I know they want to win the Scudetto, but they're also going to want to target the Champions League if they get the right path to the final like they did last season. Um, I, I do favor Inter in this one at home, though. I think minus 125 is a pretty good price on them. I'm not saying they're definitely going to win. That is just, I think, good value on them. I mean, they, they won for us last week. I had them at, in, in Florence. They did get the win. Um, a missed penalty was, was, a, was a big happening there. I know Nick was also on that. I just happened to beat him to it. Um, but... Yeah, it's hard to bet against Inter, right? I mean, you, and you, I'm looking at the probable formations, you know, and you see that last week both Barella and Chalanoglu were out suspended in the midfield, so they come back fresh, really. So, like, sometimes Big. that suspension acts as, like, uh, you know, a forced day off and, and almost like a forced bye week. Um, Cherubi and DeMarco were, were on the bench in Florence last week. They both come back into the starting lineup. So it's a pretty well-rested Inter side when you consider – um, they haven't had to play in Europe. You know, the Supercopa now is a couple weeks past. And I, I think it does play into Inter's hands a bit. Um, and when you look at, you know, Juve's bench, what do they have on the bench, right? And, and it's it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what they have going on there. You know, I, I'm looking at the injury report right now. Chiesa is, you know, to be evaluated. Rebio is to be evaluated. So they're both questionable. Um, Dechilio is still out. You know, <laughs> funny enough, when, when you look at the problem formations, there's the you know, the, the suspension section besides the injury set section and you get Pogba suspended for doping and, you know, Fajoli for his, uh, his issues that we've for talked about. Kicks and picks, yeah. And, yeah. And then it's Milik. So, you know, quite, quite a few players out that if you were looking at the beginning of the season depth wise, yeah. um, not a lot of depth on the bench. If, if yep. Kiesa and Rabio both can't go, I think that's something to keep an eye on too, because you look at what's left on the bench. If those guys can't go, it's, it's Wea, it's Illing Jr., um Rugani Alexandro there's no, there's not a lot there for Allegri to turn to I I do think Allegri plays this one pretty defensive okay, to try to I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with a with a quick counterpoint and I I think we've been pretty positive when it comes to Inter we've been high on them if they need a goal in this game they're going to the bench they're going to Arnautovic and Alexis Sanchez I mean that's not any fucking better than whoever Juve throws on there yeah that's really a Big, big issue. As deep I, as they yeah. are in a lot of positions, goal scoring isn't one of them. I, I think they can get goals from more places, though, like the midfield, right? They have they have options in the midfield that, that come up with the goals. You know, the, no. the, the Barellas and the Chalanoglu's and the Mkhitaryans. 
Um, I do think their attacks a little more diversified, which makes them more dangerous. You know, when Kiesa's not on the pitch, it takes a, away another aspect of Juve's attack. Yeah. Um, and, and it reflects in the goal scoring overall, 50 goals scored. I know Lautaro's got 19 of those, um, but that 50 goals scored in 20 matches is a heck of a lot of goals scored, especially in a Sadiat's, you know, side. Yeah, no, I agree. Listen, I'm going to go back to the, the first thing I said when you asked. It's a very difficult match to handicap. Um, I think both teams to score at even money is a pretty decent number. Uh, you know, you, you Scotty mentioned the draw and for good reason. I mean, if we're doing that, I'm taking Juve plus half a goal plus one Oh five, because that's buying, you know, a couple of different results. And that's turning that draw into a, a I'm not, the, you know, turning that result into a win as well. Um, one thing I'll say, and if I was on the show last week, I would have said it, you know, I kind of have a rule. You get the league leaders, close to even money. Certainly you get the league leaders close to even money at home. You just kind of take it. I, I mean, I, you, you think less, you put it out there, enter minus 125 and you kind of live with the result. So um, tough. Um, I'm all over the place, really. Not yeah. I, I think it's one that's tough to like, <laughs> A lot, no, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to advocate for both sides. Really, you right. can you can bet whatever you want in this one. I don't think there's necessarily a bad bet. I mean, if we come back next week and enter one four nothing, yeah, why'd we overthink it? Why do we spend a half hour talking about the game? Or if if Juve pulls out that result, we say, man, how were they plus three twenty? We knew they, you know, they had a shot to win. It's it's, it's tough, dude. Right, and, and I think the play with Juve is probably the plus half a goal if you're going to play Juve, right? Because I think, so. I, I think they do play for the draw in many ways. If it stays tight for a long time, I think they try to hold out as long as they can. Um, so plus half a goal, minus one of five, I think is where the, 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 the best play is. You get good value, you get good number, and it doesn't take a win from Juve to yeah. cash it, right? I, I think there, there's a lot of value there. It's, it's hard for me to see Juve going and getting the win, but I can see them getting a result, um, if that makes sense. First goal, Juve plus one sixty. It's not a bad bet. Really, not a bad bet. They're going to have to come out and hit them hard and hit them early, and then play max type style and and lock it down. I mean, I I kind of agree that's their path to victory. And I, maybe I should extrapolate why I say that. If if you guys like the Juve double chance, you know, if Inter get out and, and score first, you know. Does UA really have that much of a chance at that point? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, mean, I, I don't think so. I, I think I two so. goals from Inter wins this game. I mean, there's that, yeah. that's kind of where I'm at. It, it's a UVA 1 0 victory, it's a 1 1 draw, it's a 2 1 loss. I mean, I, I don't, I'd be really impressed with Juventus if they score two. Um, and I think just something you said, coach, now that I'm thinking about it, you know, does it propel Inter to a Scudetto. I agree with Scotty. It is early to say that, but if you remember two years ago on this podcast, we had a very similar matchup Inter against Milan. Inter were ahead of Milan for the Scudetto odds on favorite. They were up one, nothing in that game. It was February. We're in February now. Um, if they could win this game, man, that probably erases a lot of doubt that they have that they could finish this. Uh, and if similarly, yeah. if they lose it, is it a repeat of uh, 2021 all over again? So interesting game. A lot more interesting maybe the more we get into it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So uh, we'll leave it there. We'll take it to our, our locks of the week now, Scotty. So coming off 7-3 week, Q 
kick it off. What do you got as our first winner? Yeah, I'm going to go back to keeping it simple. Um, I've been trying to outthink the books, been trying to take the lines that they don't want me to take, and I'm just going to go and take the lines that I want to take now because I haven't really gone 3-0 yet, so i got to try something different. Um, first one I'm going, it's Spurs, draw no bet at Everton. It's minus 125. Everton are winless in their last five Premier League matches. That's sure. following a stint of four straight wins for them. Um, so one of these results or the one of these streaks is, is an anomaly. Um, I'm going to go ahead and lean towards the four straight wins being more of an anomaly at this point. I think they're now in 18th back in the relegation zone, obviously after the 10-point deduction. But as Nick opened the show, um, they were absolutely putrid in front of goal. I think they had 752 shots on target, yes. didn't score once. Um, and we know Spurs like to score um, under Postecoglou. They they score, you know, early and often. Um, they haven't missed a beat without Sun. While Sun's been in the Asia Cup, where Charleston is is actually starting to look better, um, almost serviceable. Um, so I, I think Spurs are absolutely going to get a couple goals in this one. I, I don't see a way that that Spurs lose this, especially because they really need to win this match if they want to keep in the conversation for Champions League. So um, I like. You know, Postacoglu getting the, the the team rallied around this one and, and getting a result. Um, but you know, things go kind of weird, and um, you know, Everton kind of managed to to circle the wagons and get a draw out of this one. You're still protected. That number is absurd. Like yeah. I may put multiple units on it. <laughs> it, it. Like I said, I'm not going to overthink this. Normally, I would go yeah. and take Everton money line because the books are clearly trying to take us or make us take this one. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that to myself. All right, I'm going to go over the Bundesliga with my first one. I'm going with a, a total here. It's Stuttgart at Freiburg, over 2.5, minus 140. Like right it. at the edge of the numbers I, I'm, I'm willing to play, but I think in this one, I, I see this one hitting um, and, and being a pretty easy cash. The over is hitting 5-6 for Stuttgart uh, and 4-5 in Freiburg matches. The reverse fixture was a 5 nothing Stuttgart win early in the season. I don't expect quite such a, a one-sided affair, but I do see plenty of goals. Shocked to see that this one is set at two and a half and not three and a half at this point in the Bundesliga season. Give me the over. I'd, I'd even consider the over three at plus 110. So I'm locking in over two and a half at minus 140. Is Stuttgart the new German team of the pod? I don't know because uh, their they're, nickname they're was... They're like the union of this season. The, the, the nickname in the, the group chat lately has been Stuttfart because they've been putting up some pretty ugly uh, games. They won us. for us yeah, last week, though. Last week, yeah. last week they won for yeah, us. I don't know. This is their chance to break the tie then. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Um, I like it. I, I think overs in Germany are back. I'm with you there, coach. Uh, I'm I'm sticking in Italy. I like Monza. We're going back to the Asian line for this one. Haven't done it in a couple of weeks. So anybody that's unfamiliar with the Asian line, plus 0.25 goals in this one, that is a split bet between uh, Drano bet and plus half a goal. So, in this instance, if Monza were to tie, they would you'd get half your bet as a win. You'd get the other half returned. And I like that. It's at minus 125 there at Udinese. And as we all know, the former team of Beto, Udinese stink. They're winless in their last four. They're without a clean sheet in their last four. They haven't beat Monza since their first ever meeting between the two clubs. And... As Scotty has pointed out multiple times, they have the most draws in the league at 12. So with that, we will bet on the better team. We will bet on getting goals. And I, I like that little fail safe just in case that draw hits. Look for Monza to build a little bit of momentum, two wins in a row, hopefully a full cash, but 
I think half cash is the worst case scenario there. Minus 125. Yeah. Udinese, the draw kings. It's unbelievable. Yep. Yeah. All right. My second pick, as I mentioned, I'm not trying to overthink things. And that means I've recognized a trap line. And I'm going to go ahead and take the trap line. Um, West Ham getting half a goal at Manchester United is plus money. I do not understand this. Uh, it's plus 115. If you're not looking at the wins over Wigan Atlantic and Newport County, you not you, Manchester United have won just one game in the last two months. Um, they've not been good. Um, we talk about teams struggling in, in attack. That certainly applies to United in this one. Again, they did score four goals against Newport County, but they did not cover because that was the one bit I hit, one bet I hit last weekend. Fact. Um, West Ham, we know they can score. Um, Jared Bowen has been great. He's been continuing the uh, you know offensive attack for for the Hammers. Um, and they've actually looked better on defense in, in recent weeks. Um, you know, they had a run where I think they had like 18 straight games where they had conceded a goal, but, um, last five or so matches that that number has come way down. So, uh, I'll take the double chance, um, just because they are on the road, but I I think West Ham are are scoring a couple of goals in this one. And I don't think United are going to really put up a lot. So, um, yeah, I'll take them double chance at plus money. All right, I'm going to set you out for my last two picks. So the first one here is Bologna Moneyline versus Sassuolo. Uh, it's minus 145. It, it's not a number I usually go to too often, but I just this this one jumped out of me as a get-right spot for Bologna. Uh, Bologna's really cooled off of late, but got a crucial point in the road against Milan last weekend. Nick's boy Ursulini came through with the late goal to, to level that one 2-2. Uh, meanwhile, Sassuolo's been abysmal of late, going one win, one draw, six losses in their last eight league matches. I think this is a perfect right uh, get-right spot for Bologna, like I said. And at minus 145, it's it's just right on the edge of what I would play. And then I think it's one that gets gets done at home at the Delata. Yeah, uh, I'm going to make a bold statement. I'm going to say if Bologna win this game, I think Sassuolo's coach finally gets fired, Dionisi. I think he has been I, fucking I mean, ter- I think he's got to be close, right? Like- I, listen, we've, we've long said it on the podcast, tweeted about it. We've talked about it. I, they have the one of the worst defenses I've ever seen. I, like just if you're talking about straight eye test, like I watch just about every Serie A game. I try to watch most of them. Like, they are fucking bad, and and they've been bad for the last couple of years, right? They've been our and, easy and their, over their team. Offense doesn't, yeah, the, their they offense has slowed anymore, right? the yeah. fuck down. They got Pinamonti who can't score. Berardi looks like he doesn't want to be there anymore. Lordiante, who was really solid for us every time we needed an over the past two years, um, he's really doing nothing. So they're in big, big, big trouble. I didn't expect yeah, yeah. the Bologna to be this heavy of a favorite, but I think this could be the end if they walk away with a win here yeah and when you look at the table too i mean they're in 15th which doesn't sound terrible in terms of relegation status but when you look at the points right cali is in 18th at 18 points sasuel is in 15th with 19 points uh you know because verona is on 18 uh udinez is on 18 cali is on 18 empley's on 17 slarington is way down on 12 so you got those, those four teams trying to get out of it slarington is not that far ahead I, i'm sorry sasuel is not that far ahead they do have a match in hand from those uh, Super Copa, you know, postponements, but they're going to be playing one of the top six, seven teams in Italy in that extra matchup. Not something they can guarantee getting points out of. So, yeah, I think Dionisi has to be in trouble here. I, I, I saw that Max Kambula, who's been out uh, at Roma with uh, an ACL injury for just about a seat, uh, a full calendar year now, is uh, looking to go there on loan for the rest of the year to try to help shore up that defense. But what are you going to get out of him? We don't know. I know he was really good at Verona when he was there. Um, you know, at Roma, so so, and now he's coming off an ACL. Is that going to be enough? It could be because the other teams aren't that good, but for Dionisi, it might not be enough. I think you're right. I think if they lose and they they get 
clean sheeted again, which is not something you're used to seeing happen to Sassuolo too often in the past bunch of years. Uh, it could be the end because they haven't been in relegation danger, I think, since like their second season in, yeah. in Serie A. They, they've been a team consistently top half or at least mid-table yeah. and, and even got stuck into Europe once or twice, um, I think, during the EDF time. So, uh, yeah, could be trouble for them. Definitely something to keep an eye on. Forza Bologna. Let's do it. Um, all right. So we, we talked about the last two weeks of the pod, right? We are 15 and five. We're, we're heating up. And there's really only one way to truly test that heat. And that's with corners. Back. The full squad is back. We have to absolutely test corner kicks. Lecce, Fiorentina, over eight and a half corners, minus 125. Um, listen, I like Fiorentina as a corner team because they are like chances FC junior. They generate a lot of offense. They hold the ball. They really don't score a lot. They're not good finishers. I think, um, they're a team that rotates a lot. I think both of these teams get out on the break. And I think getting to nine is just way too low of a number. Minus 125 jumped out of me immediately over eight and a half. If this hits, I mean, you just put your your full faith in kicks and picks for the rest of the season. This is exactly the test. Nick, I got a question for you. Have you ever bet an under on corners? In my life, yeah. On the pod, I don't think so. Okay. Because I don't know that you've ever taken an under on corners that I can recall. And I, I, I just aren't as fun, right? Like, as whether it's... You know, <laughs> unders statistically I, 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 will win just as often as overs. <laughs> I'm sure they will. It's just like in terms of like when I'm betting, like betting player props, betting game props. Like I, I, I hate to go with the under because then it's like you're rooting for a boring game, and then when it doesn't happen, you're like, like I don't know. It's Listen, well, unders could he, mean more goals because if you need, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the so the net, you're not going to corner. That's what I was going to say. Any time that you you tend to lose a corner bet is because there's a lot of goals. Like that's kind of the way it goes. I think you're spot on, but. I want anybody that's listening, like truly test yourself and, and answer this question. Find us on Twitter or whatever. Like there's nothing more exciting than rooting for corners. Like you think you're rooting for goals is fun. You're trying to hit an over root for a defender to make a good block root for a weird fucking ricochet root for the root goalie for the to make the save of his life. Another corner. There's That's nothing the better play. than a double corner. There's Nick nothing better than a double or triple corner. I think he gets, Nick gets more excited for like a yeah, triple corner than he does a goal. Yeah, it's no, so it's exceptionally fun. Um, and I I'm putting it to the test because we could have gone Fiorentina team total corners in this one, but I think Lecce is good for two or three on their own. So let's see where this nets out. Um, this is the test test of the season, I would say, for kicks and picks. All right, I'll bring us. Bring us home. Um, third and final lock of the week. Going with Burnmouth Moneyline versus Nottingham Forest. It's minus 135. Burnmouth are at home in this one. Uh, Forest are losers in eight in their last 11 Premier League matches. They are right now, based on purely form, one of the worst clubs in the Premier League. On the flip side, Burnmouth are winners of six of their last nine, albeit losing their last two to Tottenham and Liverpool. So they're in a little bit need of a bounce back here. But um, Iriola has them playing as as well as anybody i think they were up into the the mid table flirting with top half of the table um before they played uh, spurs and and liverpool in back-to-back matches so i think they'll get back on track there um dominic Solanke, one of the best um most complete strikers right now in the premier league has an outside chance at getting a, a call-up for the uh england squad in um the euros this summer given that 
Rashford is having his issues. Tony was out for the first half of this season. Um, so you might, might see an appearance of him in this summer. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I think this is a no brainer. I think Burnmouth are getting three points. I think the line reflects that, but it's still good enough to, you know, warrant putting down a unit or two, um, to get the, to get the win. All right. Going to Italy and Nick and I are both playing Monday night Calcio with our last, our last pick going to the same match. I'm going Roma, uh, and over one and a half parlay match parlay at minus minus one thirty. I've been able to ride the Roma team total in back-to-back weeks to victory. The line isn't good enough to do that in this one. They're too big of a favorite at home. Uh, with this one at the Olympic, I'm expecting Roma to get at least two goals and get De Rossi's third straight victory to open his tenure. I, I like Roma with their team, you know, not even team total, it's just match total, but, you know, I think they're going to get the two in this one, minus 130. You know what? If I had realized this was a Monday night game, I probably would have stayed away from it because I feel like anytime the pod needs a fucking Monday or Tuesday game to come through, I mean, it came yeah. through yesterday for me. They played on Monday yesterday. They got their. Two but goals, I had the so. I had the latest game of the week, and it was today, and it didn't come through for us. But uh, I like this game as well. I'm with Coach, and I am going with a unconventional bet in this one. It's been actually pretty decent for me. I haven't used it as a lock, but I'm going to go with second half having the most goals, minus one ten. Um, one thing or two things to note. I mean, this matchup is one that always produces goals. So six out of seven um, have been over both teams to score in seven out of eight. I just think we are rooting for that to happen in the second half. Um, there were three second half goals in Roma's last game. They have given up second half goals to their opponents in both games that Derossi has been in charge. I think um, I, I kind of agree with coach. This, this is probably a three goal game or more. Let's just hope that, only one of them comes in the first half or none of them come in the first half. So I like that at minus 110, second half, most goals. All right. And that brings us to the pod lock. Uh, we're going with another match parlay. Similar to the Roma parlay I'm playing, we're going AC Milan and over one and a half goals at Frozenone. This is at minus 110. Um, I think there's great value here. Frozenone has really come down to earth after a, a pretty solid start to the season for them. That's got them feeling pretty safe from relegation. Uh, not a place many people expected them to be. I think many people expected them to kind of be in that situation. Sassuolo's in. Um, and Milan, they tend to be a team that ha- scores a couple goals a match, especially against these kind of sides. We, we like them to score a couple here. Might even give one up to Frozenone. Um, but we think they get enough to get the, the win and over one and a half goals at minus 110. Yeah, they have lost three of their last four home matches. Um, those losses were 5 nothing at Atalanta, 4-0 at Juve, 3-1 at Lazio. So Milan should absolutely be able to follow that trend there and, and get us at least two, if not three, four, or five against a frozen only team that has definitely come back to earth in recent months. And, and we've been riding Milan. Uh, they have scored two or more goals and five out of their last six, I think like nine of their or last like 12 or something like that. Milan chances FC are also turning into goals. FC two goals from them is, is pretty much a formality at this point. Their defense hasn't been that great overs are a great look. Um, glad the guys got creative and found this bet because I was going to ride with it for like the fourth straight week, but pod lock. Pod lock. Yeah. All right, so Scotty, tell everybody where they can find us besides listening to us here on the pod and on YouTube. Yeah, so you can subscribe to us on the podcast and of your favorite platforms, whether that's Spotify, Apple, or Google. Um, if you want to watch our videos, we do have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash kicksandpickspod. Um, you get the video up there 
you also can get the occasional emergency podcast like I had to do when Klopp announced his uh, departure. Um, and we might be doing some other things up there, maybe cutting down, doing some shorts. We'll, we'll see. Uh, can't commit to anything yet, but we've been talking about it in the group chat. Um, also, if you're interested in supporting the podcast in a more uh, meaningful way, uh, we have a Patreon, uh, $5 a month. You can go ahead and subscribe to that, patreon.com slash pod. One thing I got to say before right. we sign off that we haven't talked about yet. We have Champions League two weeks from today. And yeah, I can't fucking wait. We are going to get on and preview that. Um, It's it's our favorite time of the year. Scotty and I for, for two years now have been doing it. Coach Steve jumped in with us last year to help out. We're going to hit our future. I mean, we've, we have predicted a European future two years running. So we will look to make that three in a row and I can't fucking wait. All right. So we'll catch you guys next week. Another winning record incoming and uh, stick with us for the winners and hit us up on Twitter, social media, where you uh, find us and give us what you like this week. What are your favorite locks? What are your favorite bets that maybe we didn't talk about? 